If you've ever been to a Republic game at night, you've probably seen me light up the night. But now you can hear me talk at State of the Republic podcast today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the State of the Republic podcast. My name is Luis, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Michael, and a special guest today. If you guys didn't guess it on Twitter, the number one Sacramento Republic fan, also known as Rave Bear. So first, I'll go to you, Rave Bear. How are you doing today? Well, I always would say I'm the brightest fan. I don't know about number one. I definitely might be the most recognizable and the only one that will literally get themselves shocked if it's raining outside. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> can't argue with that too. But I think in my opinion, you are probably the number one. I've seen you actually, you know, go to away games. And as you said, one of the more recognizable uh, people out there, or I should say, uh, uh, mascots, right? Because you are are an official. No, no, mascot. no, no, no. I am not a mascot. <laughs> That's a very big difference. I'm a super fan. Now, a mascot is paid by the team, and you know they, you know, their face is covered completely. They're, you know, on the payroll. <laughs> There's only so much you can do. I'm a super fan. This is an American tradition. You know, there have been super fans throughout all major sports teams. Uh, whether you go to like. Uh, the Oakland Raider games where, you know, the people dressing up in the black hole um, or you go to all these different games where, you know, you just have a fa- crazy fan doing something crazy. Yeah. I still think the, the team should somehow pay you actually for, for that too, because, you know, they, you know, they, they use you a lot for <laughs> uh, different uh, promotions and whatnot. Uh, but next uh, I'll go again with my co-host, Michael. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, just enjoying the day. It's day off. Uh, thank you to our veterans for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a solid Wednesday. Uh, Rave Bear, there. It's a it's a pleasure talking to you. I've I've seen you at the games. Haven't formally introduced myself or anything like that, but uh, definitely interesting to see you outside of uh, the outfit. Though it kind of throws me off, man. I'm not gonna lie. Kind of. I guess I was assuming we're, we're just going to have this conversation. He's going to be all lit up and ready to go. And now that I'm thinking about it, it makes zero sense for any of that. But yeah, good good to hear from you. Yeah, no, yeah. On that note, uh, happy Veterans Day today. So we're recording on uh, this Wednesday, uh, November 11th too. So uh, happy Veterans Day to, to everyone. And yeah, really, we're really thankful for uh everyone who has really sacrificed their life, right? To make sure that we get our, our daily freedom. Um, well, before we get started, I uh, wanted to remind you all, if you are not following us on social media, then hey, please g- give us a follow or a like. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at State Republic 12. Uh, on Facebook, you could search for State of the Republic podcast. And on Instagram, you can also find us at State Republic 12. So please Give us a follow uh, and uh, be up to date whenever uh, we post a new episode and on the latest news as it happens uh, in the world of soccer. First thing here, guys, uh, last Friday, uh, you guys probably saw the team posted. uh, Really good collection from one of our uh, staff members' uh, jerseys. I, I didn't count how many. It looked like he had at least 50 there, just jerseys from all over. And so with that being said, hashtag National Jersey Day was on Friday, November 6th. And so to celebrate, I thought I would ask you guys, what is your number one Republic jersey and why? So we'll start with you, uh, Ray Bear. Uh, I personally really liked the alternative from, I think, 2014 or 2015 with the uh, gold bar stripes. Um, it just had like a really clean look and they did it really well. So the gold actually popped, um, my, my European team, I follow is Queen Park Rangers and they have thick blue white stripes. So it gave me a little good vibes about, you know, the other soccer team I follow. QPR, huh? All right. I did not see that coming. Um, I've, that, that is a great kit actually. Now that you mention it, um, I'm a sucker for the, the 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 stripes, the vertical stripes. That 2016 secondary jersey that they had with the 
it had the the three stripes, but the middle one was kind of had like this gradient disappearing feature going to it. Um, it was like a shiny gray with white, uh, but sometimes in the sun, the gray almost looked like a gold the way it con contrasted. But uh, yeah, if you, if you look it up, it's uh, the 2016 secondary kit. I'm a, I'm a sucker for it. I, I've got like two of them. <laughs> I don't know why I have two. There's no names on the back. There's absolutely no reason to have two of them. That's the one that they released uh, two years where it was the same one, right? Except instead of saying UC Davis Children's Hospital, it said UC Davis Health, right? I believe so. <laughs> I, yeah, both both might say health. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the, those two were really cool jerseys. Uh, I'm gonna go basic on this one. Uh, our championship jersey, the white with the red sash. It's iconic. It, it's really cool. I, I sadly don't have it. I'm looking for it. If anyone is selling one, please let me know because it it, it just it's it's something else. And especially the I'm I'm talking about the one pre-championship because of course the next season they did have uh, the same one, but with the championship start. But you know I'm looking for <laughs> the one without the championship star. So if anyone has it, please let well, me know. It sounds uh, like yeah. the call is officially out. You know the thing about the sash, it, it's different but still within like a solid soccer tradition because you know if you see like mls jerseys which are like the most boring soccer jerseys in my opinion <laughs> at, at least you know the stash is distinctive you can see it and like i always picture like if you're watching a soccer game at a taqueria on a 25 inch screen can you recognize the jersey like for what team and that solid red stash you know especially the white background and the red just really pops Team USA had a really nice one for a second there. The red one with the, the blue sash that ran across, um, what was that, five, six years ago? That, I thought that was kind of clean looking. Uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for the sash. It's, it's, it's nice. Yeah, definitely. It's iconic. Uh, I hope that for the first jersey that we get for MLS, they incorporate that. You would think they would. It's, it's almost like the sash is a part of our history, really, right? And so... Hopefully we we get to see it in, in MLS. Uh, but first season, that has to be an iconic jersey. And I hope to see that red sash on the white for our first uh, jersey. Even if the home kit looks different, it'd be nice to see the white kit have that. So hopefully, please, Diaz, make that happen because it's, well, it's nostalgic for us. Well, if I'm going to be the jersey designer, we would have that red sash, but it would be uh, LED light sash and it would glow as you play and then you would have it flashing and there'd be a little button in the back so when players really want to attract the opponents you have a flashing red sash and get that solid red NorCal star flashing too. That's really what we should shoot for. Think bigger here you guys. Ooh. Sign me up. Sign me up. Wow. <laughs> that, that would be... I want all the LEDs. Things. All the LED lights I can get. <laughs> Imagine someone scoring a goal, right? And like the LED lights going out Christmas on. <laughs> play, into the, play into the music. It'd be great, man. Yeah, <laughs> might be the future. Might be the future. I think Ray Bear, you, you got a good idea there. That, that might be the future of jerseys. Sign me up. I am ready to stow those kits. <laughs> yeah, talk about being unique, right? Even though, uh, like we say, Adidas has the same template for all MLS teams. I would make it unique, right? And everyone would want one too. So, uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully yeah, we a whole see different it. take on the uh, Las Vegas lights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although they, you know, I'll give it to them on the most unique jersey I've ever seen because I, I don't know if they still do this, but they have the um, it's two it's two designs on the front. It's a pretty normal jersey, a little bright, but on the backside, you flip it open and it's a smiley face emoji. That's awesome. I want that. I. Can you imagine scoring goals and you just toss that over and you just got a giant smiley face as you're running to the to the crowd to celebrate? I, I think we're on to something here, fellas. We gotta we gotta talk to Ben. Uh, Mr. Gumford, what what can we do? Happy birthday, by the way. Um, get us in. We I think we've got some great ideas here. Yeah. <laughs> well, watch, watch it. It might happen, right? Um, so on to our next topic, guys. Uh, recently, we found out that we are now left officially without a rival. We are rivalless. The Republic does not have a rival right now. Uh, 
our uh, previous opponent, Reno 1868, has folded. Uh, no exact reason why, but one could only assume that, of course, it has a lot to do with uh, the pandemic and the fact that they had no fans in attendance. Uh, I mean, I understand before they didn't really have that many as well. And so uh, not having any would really, I think, uh, impacted their um, uh, wallet a lot. And so that happened. And so my question now, guys, who would you pick now as your rival? Well, for a rival, you have to, first of all, the games have to be competitive. And whatever you can say about Reno, Sacramento had a lot of competitive games out there. You know, uh, history. Uh, I mean, the closest we can get now is Phoenix after the uh, the punch goal after this playoff game. And, you know, but it, I just don't feel that tension with, with Phoenix. You know, it is, you know, a two-hour flight away. Uh, you know, there's just no other teams right here, especially, you know, about how difficult it is to run a minor league team in the U.S. nowadays. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I would immediately start looking towards – I mean, we haven't really played them much, but Oakland just because of the proximity. But that seems it just seems so forced. Uh, rivalries have to be an organic thing. It's something like Reno wasn't automatically our rival. We just I don't want to speak bad about their fans, but they're they're kind of jerks. And the team obviously was competitive against us. Uh, they couldn't beat us, but it was competitive. Um, so it's it's an organic thing. I, I would hope to see it happen with uh, Oakland and see where it goes from there. I I'm, I'm hoping that they're a newer team, so we should be all right. We should comfortably be able to take them for at least a couple seasons. But I mean, we're moving to MLS soon, so I don't think we're going to really have time to make some huge rivalry. And I guess Phoenix is probably the most logical in terms of the uh, the new hand of God goal. Um, God, that frustrates me. Well, yeah, no, because like, what? Well, because uh, it looks like Timbers Two is moving down the division, like self relegating. Um, Tacoma, uh, you know, that's a twelve hour drive. I mean, I've done it, but not many fans can. Uh, you know, and even then, it's interesting for that team because they're such a you know MLS two team where your average player age is nineteen years old. Um, you know, it's nice. You, it's nice to have the rivalry aspect because a short drive. You know, you can still go up and down in the same day. But you know, right now, uh, it's a little uh, sad for all of us because because I know as much as we wanted to hate on Reno for a lot of legitimate reasons, I think a lot of us, especially away fans, had some pretty good experiences uh, traveling. I mean, heck, that's the first time my parents met me in character. Oh, nice. <laughs> how, how was that? What? What? How'd your family? take to it um so uh my dad didn't realize uh first of all when when he saw all of us marching on in you know they saw a couple blocks down the road with all the waving california flags he's like why are all them waving california flags and he sees the sign it says california republic and then sacramento i was like oh that's where they got the name from and this is like 2018 <laughs> oh, i'm being better late than never <laughs> that's that, that's cool um, but yeah, I know yeah. they were, uh, my parents were very jealous of having a fur coat because if you know, Reno at night, regardless of the time of year, it gets hella cold out there. Oh yeah. I, I can, uh, I can imagine that too. And, and, uh, it, definitely everyone's, uh, pretty jealous. I'm sure, you know, and especially with, with that climate being like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you definitely get the last laugh from uh, everyone who might say otherwise, right? When it's like a hundred degree in Sacramento, right? <laughs> hey man, but, but as a super fan, you know, I always have to go when it's a hundred and 110 degrees trick is hydrate. I don't really drink at those games, eat a lot of food and just make sure to wash the costume the day after. Most oh definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a must. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to put like a fan system in. I don't know if maybe you're working on that too, but maybe engineer like a little fan system. That I'm just glad all the regular security works. guards know that when they want me, a couple parts will beep from the, all the electronics. Oh man. Oh. I've never even thought about that. All the, all the, everything it takes to get in, in with your, uh, your outfit there. I, I, I do have to say though, as, as much as I, I don't like Reno FC, 
strictly on a rivalry basis. It, it is sad to see them disband. Um, I hope it's it's strictly because of COVID and that they do come back. They uh, they're they were a good team. They started in 2017. They've made the playoffs every year since. Um, it's unfortunate that television rights don't do it for the USL. You're you're not making money off that. You need the fans and. They can't get fans into the stadium because of COVID, which is understandable. I get it. It's a serious thing. But, yeah, it's unfortunate that everything that comes with it. I mean, St. Louis FC just did the same thing. It's it's unfortunate. And it, it makes sense to me due to the fact that Reno, they've got the uh, Reno FC, but then they've also got the the Aces. Ownership owns both groups. Mm-hmm. They've, they've got to make a decision. I, I'm can almost guarantee Sac Republic are probably losing money because of COVID. I mean, the USL is not sustainable without fans in the, in the parks. And it just, it, it's a way of life. I mean, at the end of the day, it is a business. I know their owner is extremely rich, but he became rich from being able to make money. And so he's, he's trying to protect his, his thing. I'm, I'm hoping that in the future they come back and they get to play. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll be playing them unless it's in a U.S. Open Cup game, which I think would be great. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you too. It, it is really sad to see him gone. I mean, the rivalry we had with them, we haven't had with any other team. Maybe closest might be Los Dos back in 2014, but... Still, it's not anywhere near the same because you have a fan base in Reno. They came out to support. There was always, you know, that that going on as well. And so, it's it's terrible. It's you know something that uh, again is we'll look back and the pandemic is really what what took them away. But hopefully, like you said, Michael, someone else will come in one day and uh, realize that hey, they should be brought back. They they had a really good competitive team. Uh, always g- gave us a, a, a good game. Uh, I can't remember a game where we clearly dominated them. I think they they had a good team year over year. And so, uh, yeah, ho- hopefully hopefully they make a, a comeback and we get to see, uh, even if it's an open cup, uh, Sacramento versus Reno rivalry. Uh, so I, I would say Oakland Roots too, and maybe not so much right now, but I have a feeling that there is a lot of potential there for uh, that team to become uh, at least a rival, at least in this last year in USL. Uh, maybe not so much uh, in this following year, but in 2022 for that last season, I could see it uh, developing more for that. And then uh, leading on to the Open Cup and, you know, further on uh, in, in the uh, years to come as well. And so we, we will see. I think largely it'll depend on uh, how quick uh, the Root supporters group grows. I know they have the, the Roots Radicals uh, there in, in Oakland. And so if that supporters group grows and we see a lot of them come to Sacramento games and vice versa, I know a lot of Sacramento fans are going to go to Oakland. It's, it, I, I know, <laughs> you know, we, as we all know, we, we travel uh, quite often. And so if, you know, those games are good and we see the fan base traveling back and forth, then I think that is where you're going to have that good potential. And so I hope so. I hope, you know, they do become a rival to where we can look uh, back in MLS and consider them like our uh, USL uh, main rival too. So hopefully, hopefully that actually happens as well. Uh, One last thing on this topic, guys, I wanted to ask you guys if uh, you could pick players from this Reno squad who could be still transferred, could be still sold. Uh, to join the Republic, uh, who would you pick? Who would you bring to Sacramento? Because undoubtedly, I think we are going to see maybe one or two, uh, if not more, players maybe uh, be on on our squad next season. Corey Herzog has always been like a solid player for them. I, he's, he came down from MLS, uh, but you know he still performed in USL and kept gave us all. He was a real solid attacker. It gave us a run for the money every time. I couldn't say it better. (laughs) I made a a quick little list of two names and Herzog was at the top of the list. Um, I mean, from everything I've read statistically wise, we were scoring at this 
at a, a good, decent rate compared to every other season we've had. But watching the games, we just weren't converting our chances. Um, so I'm all for bringing in forwards, especially if we're possibly letting uh, others go. Um, this season, I just looked up his stats, uh, 13 games, five goals, three assists. He's got in 60, what is it? 64 goals and 155 appearances within the USL. Um, he, he had a quick little cup of coffee in the MLS and did his thing. Uh, I think anytime you can bring in talent to a position, um, it, it brings out the best in everyone. I'm all for it. And then there's, um, Cristiano Francois who, uh, He's a, one of their attacking midfielders. I thought he had a, a good season this season. Um, he's another one who started out with uh, DC United and made a few jumps around town and up in Canada and back down here to the States. I, I think he'd be nice. He fills in a, a midfield position. You can never have enough midfielders, especially given that uh, we're going to be playing these games and doesn't look like COVID's going anywhere. So you never know what could happen there. You, you might need the depth. Um, give it a shot. He had uh, six goals this season with five assists. That's not bad for uh, a shortened season. Yeah, that, that is actually uh, one of the two players that I had on my list too, Cristiano Francois. He, he was amazing, uh, I think, with uh, Reno this season. And, you know, it was his first season we, we had seen him, but Great things were said about him before, and it's one of the players that you know we had our eye on as we were about to play Reno that first time. And I think he clearly showed he's really quick. He he plays really well in that winger position, and definitely someone that would bring a lot a lot of value to uh, our our squad next season. And the other player is one that um, I learned from podcast mom um, Sharon too that uh, Brett Richards. Uh, Defender for Reno, we saw him uh, with the captain armband a couple of games this season. Uh, he actually tried out for the Republic back in our first tryouts. He didn't obviously, you know, get with the Republic. And so I think from seeing him play with Reno, seeing how he played against us and whatnot, he is a solid defender. And true, you know, he is in his 30s already. He just turned 30 in May. Uh, but I think you always want to have those experienced defenders out back. And this is a guy that has clearly shown that he can play the position well, and he could really be dependable to a point where, you know, we, we saw him play in so many games with Reno in three years. And, and before then he actually played uh, with Timbers too. He played a little bit with the first team as well with Timbers. Uh, and so definitely brings in a lot of uh, great experience, both in MLS and USL. And so I think it's cool if we have him uh, back on, on uh, the team and uh, hopefully he decides to, to go that route because just as you can never have enough midfielders, you can never have enough defenders because it's a position we, as we know in the past, kind of struggled sometimes and trying to have a, a good solid bench uh, for defenders. And uh, like you said, Michael, if we're still with COVID and dealing with that and then unexpected uh, players maybe have to sit out a game or two, then it's always good to have uh, reliable defenders that, you know, can bring in that experience and uh, help, help us in, in those times of need. So we'll see, we'll see what happens uh, from here. Uh, Till then, but you know some of the players from Reno have already made moves uh, to to other teams as well, and so uh, I, I think, like I said, we're probably going to get a player or two from Reno. It you know the distance is not too far, and I'm sure a lot of players are probably uh, trying to knock on the Republic store and really saying, "Hey, we're here." Or I should say, a lot of agents are probably. Uh, traveling over to Sacramento and seeing if they're interested in any of the players. And so hopefully. Well, I mean, everything I hear from soccer mom and the players, you know, Sac Republic is not, you know, doling out tons of cash, but for, for second division us, um, you know, you got stability and they'll treat you right. You know, you're, you're not going to be walking away with big paychecks, but you know, it's, it's a good place to be with solid fans and, cross our fingers maybe by june or july we might have uh at least some folks in the stands this time next year but 
Um, you know, when it comes to like lower tier soccer, it's just, this is just a really highlight how unstable our system is, you know, um, a lot of these dudes in USL, especially in championship and especially league one, you know, it's not enough for a full-time gig. So when I hear somebody that has a Stanford degree from our team decides to retire after a year or two playing professional soccer, I'm like, all right, I can see that you got a Stanford degree and I know what minor league soccer does for you. So thanks for playing. We loved you when you're on the pitch. Yeah. And, and I would also add, I mean, coming to Sacramento, even if the players aren't going to get the paycheck that they would want to get, it's one of those things where, hey, if you do good, and I keep saying this like each season since, you know, we were announced for MLS, you have that like little hope, right? That if you do good, there's a chance that you might be promoted to that MLS team. You can leave your mark. You still have two seasons to prove yourself. And then you have that like, pass on to like the MLS level. And so it's a good opportunity. I think any player would take the risk, right. Of uh, getting uh, maybe paid less, but having that hope that, you know, in two years you can, you can make it there. Yeah. And I think that's why Mark Briggs joined because he's been given a chance to develop a couple players. Um, and if you do a really good job in USL, you know, I think you should have the first pass to become an MLS coach. Uh, but you know, if, if, because if, again, we are a solid team, even with uh, whatever goes on for the next year or two, if Briggs can keep stuff together, I think he's done a decent job as coach uh, this last year. Um, that's kind of, you know, the pathway for you. Yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. Especially with these two next seasons, if he does well, then uh, definitely they should consider uh, keeping him on, uh, giving him that, that first MLS team as well. So Ray Bear here, you know, we got a couple of questions here for you. Can you tell us more of how you became a Sacramento fan? Yeah, well, um, I just had to say I, I ended up playing indoor soccer uh, back in like 2011, 2012 with a bunch of people that were in AO Sacramento. And I didn't even really know what a supporters group was. I just was the goalie on the team. And, you know, when the American Outlaws started doing their thing, I started going to the events and got to know a lot of the people. And a lot of the uh, founding uh, organizers for Tower Bridge Battalion uh, were from the American Outlaws group. And so, like, naturally, like, oh, my God, I get to stand and yell and scream for 90 minutes straight with beer. Like, how can this not be, like, what everybody else wants in this universe? So um, I, I, I was a TBB member from the first season um, and just kind of like really fell in love with it. Uh, you know, I, I know every soccer is kind of interesting sport here in the U S because, you know, I'm the stereotypical American kid that, you know, plays it growing up, but, you know, never really had an international team or, um, or, or a team for Latin America or Europe that I grew up following. I was just, you know, Oh, I'll watch the national team on the games. And so when Sac Republic rolled around, I'm like, Oh my God, I finally have a local team to support. So like that in and of itself was just kind of like something that really jumped to me uh, to be a supporter for. Um, and, and now since then, you know, I had to choose a European team or, you know, just for the sake of having conversations. So that's why it's QPR. That's a conversation for another day. Um, and uh, it's just been just great to have like a local team where we get to see people from across all walks of life in town. You know, we all got different little social bubbles all across the world. Um, but you know, the opportunity to go to a game, say, Hey, how are we doing? Who's this guy? Who's that player? Regardless of where you come from, just been a lovely experience uh, that I've been able to do. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. The, uh, the, the battalion is so much more than a supporters group. It's like a, a, a small family you meet up with. They're great. I love hanging out with those guys. Um, as far as Sacramento Republic, what, what's your most memorable or maybe your favorite moment that you can think of? I know we're kind of putting you on the spot. Oh yeah. I, it, it was, it was, uh, it was probably, I probably say it's a weak experience. Uh, so it was the, actually, you know, what was it? It's about a, a year and a few weeks ago. Um, so when Sac Republic finally got the MLS bid, which leading up to that, uh, from like a group of supporters, there were a lot of us who were like, screw MLS, they don't want us, we tried, we gave it all, and they passed off, and we're like, we're done with this, 
And then, you know, you follow the news and there's ups and downs, ups and downs. And then when, when it was official, official, official that the commissioner was there, um, there you go. It's happening. <laughs> and then it was great because there were so many people like really excited about the team, but had no idea what the current team was because, you know, people want to see top tier sports. And I get that. And so, you know, we go on to the playoffs and we play um, New Mexico United two days later after that. And we do a solid win and beat New Mexico at home. And then the next few days we go to Reno. um, And, you know, I was following some of the uh, supporter drama on Twitter about uh, the Reno supporter group, now former uh, Los Unicos about, you know, what's going on with our team and that whole internal drama. And I, I know we'll talk about that in depth in our day, but to see, you know, when a supporter group, you know, didn't feel welcomed to say the least and felt actively, you know, treated badly that we just cheered on uh, Los Unicos to join us. And then after winning 3-1 in Reno, they join us and then become our biggest supporter group that's not based in Sacramento (laughs) was one of the like most lit one week Sac Republic experiences that I think any fan could ever hope for. Yeah, that, that, was definitely an amazing moment. I know Michael and me have heard Danny's story. Uh, Danny's the, the founder of Los Unicos, and it's it's really amazing, right? I mean, it like we get the win at Reno. They get to be there with you guys. You guys welcome them, and uh, you guys are cheering the team on. It's it was it was almost like a Hollywood ending, right? To <laughs> to the story uh, with them, and you know, I thought it was a really good gesture from TBB to welcome them on their side because maybe other supporters groups would have been like, yeah, no, you stay with them. They're, you guys are a rival. Like, why are you guys switching? But you guys understood the situation and were like, you know what? They really treat you guys badly. You guys are welcome to be on our side if you'd like to be on our side. And so uh, I thought, you know, that that was a really good, good gesture uh, on, on their part as well. Um, well. And I think like it's, let's also put it in context where we are. It's minor league soccer. It's America. You know, in other countries, you have a hundred plus year tradition for your club, but out here, you know, we're still developing a sport. We're still developing a culture, whatever rivalries exist. You know, we even had that first conversation like, well, who do we actually not get along with? And you ask any supporter of any other major team, they'll be like this guy, that guy, this guy. Oh, and definitely those guys. Um, So you have to like, put it in context that, Hey, these are people who are passionate about the support and yes, let's cheer on our team, cheer on them passionately. Um, but you know, outside the stadium at the bar before and after, you know, they're not our enemy and just let's, let's, uh, get to know each other a little bit more. Cause when I like to travel as a away supporter, um, if it's just me and like two or three other friends, I will hit up the other group supporter group. Just like, Hey, do you want to have a beer? Just chat minor league soccer. It's really hard to get nerdier than minor league soccer in the U S nowadays. Yeah, the, definitely too. And uh, no, yeah, that that's exactly how it should be. Uh, you know, you keep the rivalry while you're there at the stadium. And of course, everyone's like shouting at the other team and all that. But at the end of the day, we all love the sport of soccer. We should all talk about the game, have friendly debates, right? Where uh, they don't go beyond that um, and, and just get along with everyone, right? Because, you know, we are all fans of our uh, teams in the USL. And like you said, uh, we all want to talk about how our, our team is is doing too. So, uh. yeah, and, and and if you look at like so many different countries where there is like legitimate problems between supporter groups between other teams, um, that's just something we as like people wanting to build the American soccer tradition to stamp out early, you know, because um, when you see fights in Latin America, Europe, you know. Um, those are things and like the type of supporter culture, you just need to like not support. And as a supporter group and as somebody who obviously is a little furry and a little bright, you know, I am not the most violent character on the field. (laughs) You might know where I tend to stand. So, um, that's kind of like always like my, you know, take like, Hey, be supportive and passionate about your community, but then let's have a drink and a snack before and after the game to say hi and then uh, cheer each other on. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, you, you always stand in uh, that perfect spot 
at least I always think it's the perfect spot where the TV is always going to have you on, especially when goals are scored, right? Because immediately when a goal is scored, it's like, it's like you have your own Ray Bear camera pointing at you because the, the guy that is behind our, uh, one of our goal nets is right there, right? So he just turns around and you're right there. So yeah, you, you picked a, a good spot. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I know not everybody in the supporter group likes to get their photograph taken, but when you dress up in costume, that's part of the deal. Oh, yeah. That def- I mean, I'm sure you you probably get asked that every game, I'm sure, right, to take a, a picture with someone or multiple people probably ask? Uh, uh, I, I, I think the over and under is probably like 12.5. <laughs> oh, man. Whoa. You got to start charging. <laughs> so... You know, as you know, the, this past season was uh, really unlike any other with the pandemic and with us not being able to be there. And then it ended in probably the worst way it could have ended with a clear like punch to the goal, as we saw with Phoenix, which we're over it. We're over it for those people that are still like, oh, they're still salty. I'm like, OK, yeah, like it's it's in the past, too. But next game, or at least I'm over it. I, I see some heads not in here. Um Never. <laughs> never so I, I wanted to ask you uh what are your thoughts or what i should say what were your thoughts on this past season uh, did you like how the team played or what, what could have been done uh, better um my, my definitely biggest positive takeaway is seeing rafa diaz really step up uh because he's been our backup for three years in a row and uh for finally because because i've seen him play before and he always was a very respectable keeper in our league and i know he got the start out of injury but hey that's sports for you he like had so many clean sheets in that middle part of the season locked in ready to go just like when it's your call up he did it and he handled it that that was something i just loved seeing this season yeah, definitely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Rafa was actually my MVP choice for the for the team this season. I, I I did not go in a believer when we were discussing it earlier in the season as far as bringing him in as the starter, but he proved me wrong, and I, I hope he's got years to go with this club because he, he looks legitimate to me. He, he looks like a real shot stopper. Um, so as far as the player I really liked, I think Jordan McCrary stepped up on the defense level because he did that very classic, you know, back winger um, who would be able to make up, do the run and harass. He, I, he was even harassing the keeper one play. Uh, and I'm just like the, the left back or right back is attacking the opponent's keeper. Like I love that energy. So I used to play keeper. And like when somebody attacks you, the odds of you fucking up is only like one in 20. But when you do that, you never forget that moment. And it gets seared in your mind. Spoken like a true keeper. That's that's the one position I try to avoid at all costs. I'm, no, thank you. Same here. Same here. That's, that's so, a different breed, right? As they say. <laughs> you have to have a different mentality. Yeah. Or it's, it's wild. <laughs> Whether it's MLS, USL, Metro City Soccer, it's, it is, it's a different... I, mean, I broke my foot playing soccer at Metro City Soccer uh, as goalie. So I have I literally thumb. done blood, sweat, and tears for my local soccer teams. Man, got to get that T-shirt, right? That that league championship shirt. Goodness <laughs> gracious, sports do things to you. So um, as far as the expectations for MLS, MLS what, what are you thinking? Do you think we're going to be more of a small market team? Are we going to be one of those academy based where we're selling our players off? Do you think maybe we suddenly come up with big money and we make a big splash and become the next inner Miami? <laughs> Highly unlikely, but one can dream. Uh, well, you know, the one good thing about our team is uh, Burkle is actually a great owner. Um, yeah, no, he, um, he, he's also the owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I have a good friend of mine who's a giant fan of the Penguins and says, Burkle will only make a public appearance once every 20 years when they win the championship. He's a guy that is just, you know, very quiet, and you don't normally expect that with, you know, a high net worth individual. So he ran the Penguins as a very good franchise as the owner. I do not expect we will see him at all on any public experience. You know, you know. Hopefully, Ben Gumper. I love the guy. If he's still our CEO, awesome. And we'll probably have a full-time soccer guy. 
and then the coach. So probably looking at that to be it. And, you know, he'll be um, directing it well. Um, uh, and so also when it comes to soccer, I think a big one, the MLS like structure for how you pay your salaries is so weird. Um, and it'll probably be completely different because they change it up all the time. But, you know, if you have a lot of players coming out of our academy, which is probably my hunch is we're going to really, you know, Sargis like dude is young. He is a legitimate starter in USL. You know, we want to keep him here. Um, if we can develop three or four uh, solid academy players that can be respectful on us, then we'll have to bring in a few of those international or top tier players. Um, you know, I don't anticipate us dropping $5 million on a designated player. Um, and frankly, I just think that's bad math uh, for soccer in the U.S. nowadays because you'd rather have a bunch of, like, solid players who can play every position while I suppose they have a deficiency from that, like, superstar that comes in. Uh, so that's kind of where I think we'll end up. And if I was the GM, you know, I could send along my resume. I, I have won a championship in co-ed women's D and C at Metro City Soccer. So I'm just saying, I have a lot of experience. We're gonna have to get a sponsorship from Metro City. I'm gonna have to have a talk with them. I'm still stuck on the uh, the the idea of an owner in Sacramento Sports uh, letting the the GM do his job and staying quiet. That's that's a new concept for me. No no shots fired. I'm just saying if the shoe fits, man. Yeah, I I I tend to agree with you. I think we're gonna be more of a, an academy based team trying to build our our academy, bring in the players. Um, I hate to say it, but players like Sargis and guys like that probably move on to bigger markets as we bring them in and then start selling players off for more money and then slowly start bringing in other players. I, I would like to see us maybe spend a little bit. Uh, Sacramento is very unique in terms of the, the identity and the culture of the city. I, I think you could bring in the players from the Panama's and the Mexico and they'd fit right in and might feel like home to them. I mean, obviously I can't speak for them as a, a white male, but it it seems very, um, a hodgepodge city, I guess, for lack of better terms, I, I think it could work out. Yeah. And then looking at like other DPs, I mean, look at Chicharito right now with LA galaxy, <laughs> but uh, in my opinion, I have to say, Good I God. think one of the worst DPs, in the history of LA Galaxy, maybe even MLS might be exaggerating there, but you're exaggerating. He's at least in the top three. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you, we might be able to think about uh, other two in the league too, but you know, you don't want to have something like that. And I think we could get more of a, a not exactly model, but do something similar to what LAFC did when they brought in Rossi. Rossi, nobody knew who he was, right? He came from Uruguay. And now look at all the things he's done for that team. And uh, they're probably going to easily sell him for so much more than they paid for. And you want to bring players like that. And we're starting to see MLS do more of that. And so I think for that first season, if we follow that similar model, also Atlanta's doing something like that as well, uh, it is really what helps you out. Because there is a lot of talent in Mexico, in uh, Central America, and South America that you can bring in at a much cheaper cost than, of course, getting uh, your already established superstar that, again, you don't know if it's going to work out good. Like, like is it going to be a Carlos Vela or is it going to be a Chicharito? And you take that gamble, it's it's just uh, really risky, I think, and, and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, so... Hopefully we see that, but I do agree with you guys. I think it, we are going to be more academy-based, which isn't always bad. I mean, you are the one that is uh, selling players uh, all around. But, you know, if, if you have a solid team, you know, you could still make it far with your academy players plus uh, two or three uh, talented uh, DPs that, you know, don't cost you as much. And so uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see from that. But like I always say, and uh, we got to learn a lot from what FC Cincinnati did because clearly they they didn't really do uh, the things right. And, and, you know, we we see it in their uh, standing position uh, season over season. And so hopefully we, we do better than them. 
Um, yeah, because when you because like because you know MLS is so different for the promotion relegation equivalent, and and you'll get teams like Minnesota United that will bring up their entire USL squad, add three players, and then have statistically the worst season in all of MLS for their opening year and have to clean house. So as much as you know, we love our players. It's just the soccer math of you know maybe three or four from in the 2022 squad goes up and is a starter, you know, maybe, maybe if there, maybe if there's a USL C team, we have affiliate, they'll go back down, but there, there is a huge step up from USL to MLS still nowadays. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's, I think we're kind of already seeing that. I think they're making headway towards MLS moves when they're making these, still not official, but they get the cuts of like row row and things of nature like that. Like, yeah, it hurts as a fan because you love the guy to death. And then, I mean, of course you've got the, the other rumors coming through of uh, players getting cut and moved and let go. It's, it's not fun. And it does scare me that yes, we've got our, our dedicated supporters, Rave bear, the battalion, things of that nature who are very informative fans. They know what's going on. They know what to expect. But with MLS, it's going to bring in a new group of fans that are going to come in and have these expectations of, we're a MLS professional team now. We uh, expect great things. And it's like, whoa, slow down. We're not going to catch lightning in a bottle and go win the MLS supporter shield in year one. The, the move to MLS is a huge jump. It, I know it's not the greatest league in the world, but it's still a huge jump from USL to MLS. And we need to understand that some of these guys are going to be taken off into the sunset to bring in new players. Well, well, if I know anything about sports, winning solves all problems. So obviously this is three years out, but you know, if 2023, our first season, regardless of who's on the team and the team and Republic is in the playoffs, that would be considered a successful season for me. Um, unless Agreed. they happen to have a second or third multi-billionaire that brings in whoever uh, Ronaldo or Messi is and their true MLS, you know, retirement gig in Sacramento, which not predicting that's not going to happen, but you know, <laughs> uh, I heard Messi loves Chondo's tacos. I don't know. <laughs> personal favorite Chondo's tacos, Lionel Messi. You heard it here first. Yeah. Imagine that, right. If you, if you'd be able to uh, get a, a sponsorship deal there going on, but, yeah, I mean, I, I personally think even getting the wild card round could even be successful for that first season. I, I think in general, not being in those last positions in that first season will be a success being that, like you said, uh, Ray Bear, uh, it, so, it's going to be a whole different team. Me, me as I've seen like a lot of bad MLS teams from a, a support side, and I'm not talking about like support or you know, like are people coming out? Are they making a dent in the market? You look at like Houston, Chicago, even a lot of times San Jose. Um, and my girlfriend is a San Jose supporter. So, you know, she could hear me right now and might get a little upset. But the problem is those are a lot of those areas are huge markets that are not filling their stadiums. You know, and they're not even that big of stadiums. So what's really important uh, from a front office and supporter groups session is that not all, obviously winning games is the top priority for me, but it's also making sure your fan experience is lit those first few games. You know, I, I think uh, there was a game uh, last season. Um, I think it was like a Latino night or some, some special theme for that, where like uh, there was, um, you know, one of our big supporters in TVB um, was running, had a DJ, invited all his friends, like probably hundreds of his friends showed up from, I think, the El Salvadorian community and had like a massive party and like a huge tailgate with thousands of people tailgating and having a great time. But then a tornado showed up and lightning and the rain came down so hard that the game was postponed by three hours and I couldn't stay because uh, well, I was going to get short sh sh uh, electrocuted probably. So... <laughs> It's that like experience you want to have as a fan um, before, during, and after that makes people come and stay. And like, like the whole idea of even doing a super fan thing is coming from my experience going to Oakland Raider games as a kid growing up, where 
you know, regardless if you win and lose, if you got to the tailgate at 9 a.m., you had some good food, good drinks, you said hi to the friends, and you had a great time, and you guys know what the Raiders have been for the last 20 years. They've been a terrible team. But you still had a great time because you had a great food, drinks, and you hang up all your friends. And that is part of, like, we just need to be really conscious as uh, people that want the team to grow because, you know, we're not going to bring in those top players to win all the games if 10,000 people are showing up to a brand-new stadium. Yeah, no, that that, that is uh, true. And, uh, yeah, no, you brought back those memories from that game. Uh, that that was, uh, that was a really bad, <laughs> bad weather uh, game, too. But, fortunately, I, I got to buy a, a sweater at the team store. Uh, I was... I was hoping that they wouldn't be out of stock because, yeah, I was really drenched. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's it's really an important thing to make sure that you do provide that fan experience. And uh, I've personally gone to uh, Earthquakes uh, games, too, and it's not really all that great, whereas I've gone to LAFC games and spot on. You know, they, they, they have a, a good thing going on there, too. And so I, I've always said it. I think they need to emulate a lot of what LAFC has done. Because they clearly, you know, made sure that that fan experience uh, was there. And, of course, their supporters group is growing by the day and whatnot. And I think we'll be able to match that and actually go beyond that as well. Because Sacramento has its own thing that other cities don't really have that. I, I think it, it's going to show uh, when we join an MLS as well. So it uh, should, be, should be something else. So last uh, thing here that we have, uh, it's kind of like a rumor section of some sort. So uh, our good friend, uh, Evan Ream, he's actually uh, brought out rumors in the past, like the Roro one, which uh, I still say, you know, we still have to wait for it to be official. But, you know, it came from Roro uh, that things were actually going that way. And so uh, he has actually brought out two more rumors uh it's looking like it might be true but again you know we'll see wait and uh see if it actually turns out to be official but he is saying that it was a may not return next season uh but his contract does have a guarantee where he has to be negotiated or he would be continuing with the team hoping to have that opportunity so uh i, I wanted to know what what are your guys' thoughts in the event that this does become official uh, of course, as we all know, Cameron is our all-time leading goal scorer, and you know th- this this could upset some fans. But what what do you guys think? Well, I didn't hear that one yet about him. Um, uh, a, a straight release would really be a hit if you know he gets picked up immediately by an MLS team. You know, good for him to step on up. Um, but you know, unfortunately, you know, it seems like a down year for him. Unfortunately, for the production on the pitch. Because he's really, you know, the local guy. You know, his his dad works at Sac State. He went to Jesuit. Um, he's can't can't beat how Sacramento born and bred he is. So uh, if it is true, I will be pouring one out for the guy. Yeah, I, I struggle with this one. I I know the Iwasa family fairly well, and it's he's one of those where I I struggle to see it or hear it. It's more of a um, I want to see him retire with the Republic. It's just, I mean, born and raised just down the road. His, his dad is over at Sac State, like you were saying. And it's not like he's he's here because he's local. He's here because he's good. He's had good seasons. He's There's a reason. Like he, He's no slouch. He's had his time at UC Irvine and Jesuit. And those aren't like bad schools to play soccer at. Um I hope it turns around. He had a rough season. I, I pray it was just because it was kind of a weird season and that he bounces back. Um, he does have that guaranteed contract, which given the the financial standing of things right now, I find it tough for them to cut somebody and let them go and still pay out. I, I would think they'd probably either find a way to get him to mutually agree to something or you keep him around and he fights for his spot. Cameron is a fighter. Um, I'd love to see him get at least one more chance on a, a normal season, quote unquote normal, and go from there. Um, he's only t- 27, 28, 27, 27. Yeah, he's, he's like 27 years old. So, I mean, he's not ancient in terms of soccer. 
he still got a couple seasons before. I, I mean, technically, I guess he'd be hitting his peak right around now. I, it, I don't know. I, I see that the team seems to be wanting to make strides to get younger, it looks like, and bring in the academy talent. But I, Cam's just such a good dude. I, I hope it works out for him. Yeah, and I hope, you know, this is one of those rumors that just stays as a rumor and ends up just being that that wasn't going to happen because I've said it before, uh, Cameron being our, our all-time goal scorer and just a, a local talent, just that story that everyone in the area can look up to, right, that you can make it there too. You can be a professional player. You can leave your mark on a team being the all-time leading high uh, goal scorer and I, I've always wanted to see him in MLS, right? Or, or see him back in MLS, I should say, because he did have that uh, short stint with the uh, uh, sporting. But I think, you know, when we joined MLS, he was going to be in his prime, I think, because by then he would have been in his uh, 30, I believe, or about to turn 30. And that is a perfect age, right? Where like uh, you, you would have a, a player in MLS. And so, We'll see. We'll see what happens uh, in this case. I, I think uh, I say the same thing I said for Roro. If it's because it's a money issue where maybe the team is is trying to cut up on uh, salaries because of all the situation that uh, we have going on, then it's it's understandable again uh, on the part of Cameron. I, you know, I, I said it before. You like we can all put ourselves in his shoes too. If like you're getting paid X amount of dollars and they come at you and they tell you, we're going to cut your salary say in half. Well, are you going to take it or are you going to maybe go look out for another one? Well, you might look out right for uh, another opportunity. And so we can't really blame him there. If that is the case, if it's because of uh, poor performance this last season, true. I, I can't argue against that. We, we did see that. His performance wasn't uh, on point as maybe other seasons, but my, uh, I think to his defense, it wasn't a full season. And I keep saying this, uh, I think, repeatedly in that we didn't see, first of all, we didn't see a normal season because of, of course, everything going on. And second of all, we played half of the games that we would have played in the typical season. And so you can't really judge a player by just looking at half of the season because We've seen it happen with many teams. They have players that maybe didn't have a good season at the beginning, and then towards the end, they changed. And that maybe is what could have happened with Cameron. And so, again, hopefully this ends up just being a rumor because uh, I think everyone is a big fan of Cameron. We've celebrated all of his goals. He's scored really uh, uh, memorable goals, in my opinion. There's been goals that uh, I've got to see live that, you know, I've been really impressed with. And so I, I hope, I hope we, we see him uh, with the team. And if he doesn't continue with the team for the next season, I hope we get to see him sometime in MLS. I hope that by then maybe he joins another team, whether it's an MLS or another uh, league. And then maybe when he's in his uh, 32, 33, 34, he can come by uh, to Sacramento and he could still retire, right? Like Michael was uh, saying too, because I think he needs to retire in Sacramento. You just, you can't not have him retire in Sacramento, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, I love your hope, Luis. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the hope I still have for Roro actually staying and it just being a rumor because as I say, until we see it official from the team, I think there's still a chance out there, right? Because they still haven't announced it. And uh, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, our uh, last uh, rumor that we have here is one that we may see Fresno have a team next year, not in uh, our USL championship, but in USL League One. Uh, Fresno is, as we all know, was a respectable rival when we had him as well. I, I consider them almost similar to Reno. They had their uh, fan base as well, which traveled uh, to our uh, home games. And, you know, we traveled to away games as well. And so it, it was it was a good rival. And uh, I think it'd be interesting to have them in the championship. But League One, I guess it's, it's still good, right? They'll, they'll still have a team back. Uh, what do you guys think? 
Well, from what I was told is the big problem with Fresno is their stadium situation. Um, at, at their downtown baseball area where it's, you know, baseball stadiums, you know, do not really work for USL because you have to have, you know, it's normally about 10 to 15,000 seats. So that's just a lot more expensive to rent out per game. And even though we're, we're like lucky at Sac Republic, we're getting 10,000 people to game just called Tuesday. Um, and I know that really hurt their team because if you don't have a soccer specific environment for your stadium, your fan experience is going to be a lot less because if you are in dugout, then the closest chance of the ball could be is 50 meters away. So, um, I think that's just something they would have to figure out. And, you know, let's be honest, there's not going to be fans for at least six months. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate, you know, that's a city that deserves to have a team. Um, it's an underserved sports market. You know, Fresno is only probably about half to a third the population size of Sacramento. And, and the best they got is a baseball team and a really good college football team. So, if you want to do a sports team, soccer and Fresno, it just seems perfect. Um, but, you know, just from everything I read is they couldn't make the numbers work out for the Foxes uh, two years ago. Yeah, no, it, it was a shame, right, that the team would fall just because of the stadium. And uh, I'm pretty sure Fresno is, you know, a, a relatively a bigger city for, for the Central Valley. And they have plenty of spots where they can actually construct a uh, stadium and I hope I hope we see him back because they, they had a, a good thing going on there and really passionate fan base and I think they were only going to continue to grow season by season and it, it was it was good that it was a uh, nearby and me being of course from Modesto it was a uh, about halfway Sacramento halfway Fresno so it, it, it worked out perfectly and so uh, I hope we we get to to see him back and at the very least, League One, if we see him there, you might play against them in the Open Cup, right? There's, there's that. Yeah, I mean, as far as bringing a club in right now, obviously I don't know their, their, their books, but it doesn't make any sense to me given that there's not going to be any supporters to go in. And do you think USL isn't getting a lot of viewership on TV? Try a USL League One. I, I just I don't quite understand the the urgency to try to jump in when you've already tried once and it did, wasn't so successful. They they definitely need to make the steps of figuring out the stadium situation because just like you were saying, it it doesn't make sense. Baseball fields don't work um, as much as you want it to. It just it doesn't have the same experience as having an actual soccer stadium to use. Um, I think they need to work on that first and then they can go about trying to bring Fresno to a team again. Cause I think it's a, it's a great spot, great location to put a team. Um, you've, you've got the, the distance from basically LA or San Jose or Sacramento. So it's, it's a good spot to put a team, but you, they, I feel like they're rushing it too much. Like they're just so eager to, put it together and it's it's a process the republic didn't happen overnight it was a process i mean we took months just figuring out the team name let alone putting a, a team out on the field yeah no yeah it, it definitely takes it's it's time and uh yeah we'll we'll see if, if this happens to be true but i have a feeling it, it might be a lot of people were pushing to to bring back the team and uh, you know it's it's looking like it it might actually uh be a reality soon for them well, uh, Raper, I wanted to thank you for you know taking the time to join us here tonight. It's always really good to talk to supporters, especially again as I say, uh, big time Sacramento Republic supporters. I still think you are the Republic's number one fan, <laughs> uh, and you know it's it's cool always uh, chatting with you. Well, great. I will make sure next time I'm on that we will be able to uh, have the DJ party in the background with the fog machine and lights and all the. All, all the sounds for you guys. We'll just do the interview at your oh, house then. Awesome. We'll <laughs> sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. If you're open to that, I think that would be <laughs> cool. Uh, but we'll definitely have you on whenever we start doing uh, lives as well. So you're able to bring that atmosphere and people can uh, see it too, because it's, 
it's you know at least as close as we'll get right now to having a TBB atmosphere right at home. <laughs> I will try my best as the brightest supporter in TBB. Before we close out, uh, Michael, uh, do you want to tell everyone where they can follow us on social media? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so find us on Twitter, State Republic Twelve at State Republic Twelve, or uh, on Facebook, State of the Republic. And then uh, Rave Bear, I don't know if you'd like to plug anything, uh, your Twitter page or if Instagram, I don't know. It's up to you. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not the biggest tweeter in the world except during games. And when I'm MX games, Evan Reen catches me and calls me out. So that that was the uh, USL champ, or, uh, Open Cup for San Jose. I was tweeting that we scored a really goal and Evan Reen tweeted at me, hey, they cut to you and you were on your phone. Awkward. Uh, yeah, uh, it's rave underscore bear underscore sack. And you can see Perfect. me touching uh, our mayor, you know, a little hand of God picture on my profile. So. Sounds great. Well, thanks again. Oh. We do appreciate it. Once again, uh, thank you everyone for uh, listening to us and for supporting us with this new podcast. Uh, again, this was episode two, our interview here with uh, Rave Bear. Until next time, everyone, have a great day.